This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Take it away, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of Strategic Markets at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 35 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Uh, today is a continuation of the last podcast that we recorded with my friend and colleague Dave Ingram from Hartford Funds. As we mentioned on the last podcast, not only has Dave been a top advisor consultant for many, many years now, uh, but Dave also has kind of a hybrid role at Hartford Funds where he spends lots of time going across the United States talking to many different practices, sole practitioners, teams, beginning advisors, well-established teams, on kind of what their keys to success are. And we began our discussion about time efficiency and practice efficiency last time with this title of how to win the game before it's even played. It's actually the title of content that Dave has helped create for Hartford Funds that's available for advisors to take a look at and consider implementing some of those ideas into their practice. So, Dave, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. Hey, John. Pleasure is all mine. Glad to be here again. So, Dave, as we ended the last podcast, I told you I had a burning question. We had just talked about these concepts like the 1% rule and the Ivy Lee method, where we're intentionally mapping out our days. But what kind of crept into my mind is as I thought about implementing some of these things, the question just popped up to say, Okay, I've just mapped out my day. An hour later, I get a call from my most important client, like their hair's on fire, um, and my whole plan today seems like it just went down the tubes. How do you deal with something like that? How do you deal with the, the spontaneous, you might call it a distraction, but let's say it's justified, or how do I tell whether it's justified or not in terms of how I set up my day and what I intended to get done that day? Yeah, to summarize your your question or your analogy there, if you've got the perfect day scripted out and then all of a sudden come, something comes up in the left field and takes you way off course, to to quote one of uh, the great modern-day philosophers, Iron Mike Tyson, I think he said it best when he said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's what a lot of us may feel like when we've got this great day lined up and then something takes us way off course. But I do think it is important to take a moment and reflect on this idea that there's a big difference between urgency and emergency. And a lot of these sirens and distractions, they have the feeling of being urgent, but they're not necessarily emergencies. So we have to make sure we draw a line between the two because the occasional emergency, and, I, and I'll, maybe occasional is even too much. The once in a blue moon emergency, that's when you put everything down and address it immediately. But so many of these things really tend to be more a sense of urgency. And the urgency is really on the person who's sending it to us, the email, the inbound phone call. So, there are things far and few between that you actually have to stop what you're doing and work on it. And maybe people would argue or challenge me on this, but I'll just point to something known as the Eisenhower principle. And the Eisenhower principle simply states that which is urgent is usually not important. And that which is important 
is usually not urgent. So, Dave, getting back to our, our conversation that we had started on the last podcast, we talked about the 1% rule, Ivy Lee, so on and so forth. Is there anything as you're working with advisors that holds them back from using these techniques? What are some of the objections that you've heard from advisors as they thought about implementing some of the things that we discussed into their practice? Yeah, I'll tell you the things that tend to be holding advisors back, and, and I'll answer this with just such a high level of compassion and empathy because it's some of the same things that held me back. And what I mean is to go next level in terms of success, so often what is required is actually counterintuitive to what many of us thought and what many of us were even taught. And, you know, something just popped in my mind when I think about going like next level. Uh, I met with a nutritionist not too long ago. And when she was going through what I was eating compared to what I should be eating, one of the things she diagnosed was I was taking in a lot of bread. And, you know, I'm 46 years old. So for anyone listening to this podcast that's at or around my age, when we were growing up, we were taught in the education system in school you know, in a safe and happy place that bread was not only one of the four major food groups, it was actually the foundation. Like, you know, make sure you get in your bread and grains to ensure a healthy, nutritious day. Well, meeting with a nutritionist recently, she said to me, basically, you should really never be having bread. And and so simply by me removing bread from my diet, I lost 10 pounds in three weeks doing nothing else different. And I take that story and I apply it to the business world because, again, that was something I was taught and believed in early on and never really challenged conventional wisdom since then. And, and so when I think of some of the things holding advisors back, again, it's many people may think the answer to go next level is, is to work longer hours or do more meetings or make more calls. But if you're not operating in the right environment – and if you're not working from a clearly defined strategy, you can do more of everything, but you may just be multiplying by zero. So any objections that I receive regarding the ideas and strategies I, I share with financial advisors, they the objections really tend to be derived from those advisors, those people's own self-limiting beliefs. You know, I don't I don't get people who think that these things wouldn't work. What I get is people who think they lack the discipline to get these things to work. But it's like, you know, come on, at what point in your life did you decide you were incapable of growing or developing the necessary tools or traits to be successful? And and might now be the time to revisit or, more importantly, rewire those things that are holding you down or, or holding you back. So, Dave, because you're so passionate about these things, I imagine that, you use some of these techniques yourself, not only in your own business, but also when coaching advisors. And I guess a uh, question for you, have you seen advisors implement uh, these things like the 1% rule or Ivy Lee uh, with success? Yeah, and, and, you know, you said that I use these things myself, and, and I am passionate because, like, I am my own best guinea pig. You know, as a wholesaler, I always tell advisors I don't have or run a territory as much as I do a laboratory. So when I share these strategies with advisors, I have so much passion and conviction because I apply it to my business and life first. 
And then once I see the, the vetted results, I love sharing it with financial advisors. So it, admittedly, for some advisors, it may take a little getting used to naturally, as with any learned behavior. However, for those advisors that have adopted and implemented and stuck with these strategies, you know, whether it's the 1% rule, the Ivy Lee method, it's not only increased their business, but maybe more importantly, it's increased their clarity and it's increased their quality of life, John. Yeah, well, you know, Dave, I was just thinking about that. You mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the way advisors spend their time. Um, and you talked about a couple of different categories. How, it, can you just touch on those when we think about our day? And we, I think you brought them up when I talked about that, you know, the crazy call that comes in and that we deemed an emergency. But uh, talk about the categories of how we spend our time. Sure. I, I've spent a lot of time talking about how to own your morning, and, and that's really designed to create the blueprint for how to control the chaos of your day, and, and that's where these these three activity categories come into play. And and these acti- activities, these categories, they're basically an adaptation from a book called The Index Card Business Plan: How to Simplify Your Strategy to Magnify Your Results. And and I'll take a, a minute or two, but in the book, it highlights every work task that you do falls into one of three categories. And these category headers would be the insignificant the urgent significant, and the proactive significant. But what I like to do to really make these categories come to life and and cause or have advisors sit up and take notice, I like to assign a monetary value next to these categories. So when I think of insignificant tasks, which I'll share here in a moment, I think of these as $10 an hour work. The urgent significant you know, this tends to be the $100 an hour work. And then the proactive significant, these tend to be the $1,000 an hour type activities available to us each and every day. And to give you just a, an example of each in, in these categories, the insignificant, that $10 an hour work, again, this is the maddening irony. These are the loudest sirens of our day constantly calling and vying for our attention, but they actually have the least amount of impact in our overall business. So it's your entire email inbox, those inbound but unscheduled phone calls, you know, that client that just pops in unannounced innocently to say hello, and 45 minutes later they're still saying hello. You know, these are the distractions that can take you way off course. And at the end of the day, I would also categorize this by and large as the 10-hour an hour work. The urgent significant activities, this is the $100 an hour work, and the perfect example of this is the client meeting. And, and the beauty of the urgent significant is it requires very little mental energy to execute in this space. And an example would be if, if you just had a rough morning putting out fires, you were in reactive mode, the market's down 500 points, your lunch meeting no-showed you, you had a 2 o'clock, two o'clock meeting who so kindly called you at 150 to let you know they couldn't make it. I mean, you look up. All you want to do is just go home and call today, but you've got a four o'clock meeting on your calendar. Now you may be tired, miserable, and cranky, but are you going to go with that four o'clock meeting? And the answer is yes, because it's urgent, it's it's time sensitive, and it's significant. Client meetings are the lifeblood to what we do. So, in other words, 
if it's on our calendar, we're getting done. And then that final category, the proactive significant, this is the $1,000 an hour work, which, you know, you must be proactive in doing. No one's putting this on the calendar for you, but at the same token, it's so easy to procrastinate on. And these are the biggest needle movers in our business that people often push off into the future and or spend very little time on. And it's things like prospecting, asking for referrals, working on effective messaging, building your comp, you know, competence or confidence within certain product lines. I mean, anything that goes under sharpening the axe would fall under that thousand dollar an hour work. So I know I took a minute or two there, but I just wanted to make sure people had a little bit of an understanding of, of everything they do day in and day out essentially can be boiled down to one of three categories. And hopefully they're spending the appropriate amount of time within the appropriate categories. And that's what I was going to ask, right? Is it that then which forms the crux of your scheduling day to day or week to week? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and scheduling is the essential common denominator within those three categories. I mean, if, if you think about your day, the insignificant tasks emails, inbound but unscheduled phone calls, etc. They're never going to go away. But by time blocking, giving yourself 20 to 30 minute bursts in which to handle those $10 an hour type activities, that can be so key because you want to get in and out of that category as quickly as possible. Scheduling with the urgent significant is so important because as I was talking about before, if it's on your calendar, it's getting done. That's how we're hardwired as human beings. So scheduling things on your calendar is so important because the likelihood of you executing on it, if it's scheduled, it's going to go up exponentially. And then the proactive significant, as I mentioned, these are the biggest needle movers that you must be proactive on. No one's putting that on the calendar for you. And if it's not on the calendar, it's so easy to procrastinate. And yet these are those small hinges that swing big doors, you know, so it's 30 minutes a week on strategic business planning where you're working on the business, not just in the business. It's 45 minutes a week tightening up and working on effective messaging. You know, again, these can be some of the biggest drivers of our business, but you and only you are left to deciding if and when you actually devote time to them. And that's why giving yourself permission to working on these and putting them on the calendar is so, so key. So Dave, let's take a minute because as I think about the calendar, right, our, our calendar doesn't only uh, kind of encapsulate work events, but let's talk about work-life balance. You know, we did a recent poll at Hartford Funds where we asked the advisors, how often does work interfere with your personal life? 49% of advisors said frequently, 46% said occasionally, and 5% said never. That 49% frequent number seems like an awful lot, and I get it. Um, but do you think advisors, uh, as a result of implementing some of these tasks, did, did they wind up taking their work home with them physically, mentally, or both? Um, or is it more because they don't implement some of these methods that it winds up coming home with them? And what effect does that have on them over time? Yeah, I mean, basically that poll shows you that 95% of people are, are human. And, 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 uh, 
that they are susceptible to bringing home the the mental and or emotional baggage of what we do, bringing that from the workplace to the home setting. And, and that's a challenge. And I know many advisors are susceptible to taking that work home with them. How can they not? But, you know, you think about it's a day where we got distracted. It's a day where we're putting out a lot of fires. Maybe we had a conversation or two with a client or prospect that didn't go as well as we thought, you know, not to mention, heaven forbid, if the stock market is a sea of red. I mean, those things are always going to happen. Those things are always going to be there, and they can really weigh on you. So after a long day like that, you almost can't help but walk through your front door and just feel physically, mentally and emotionally drained. But, you know, fortunately for the 95% of respondents in our poll that have had those feelings, there, there are some things out there that you can do to turn the ship for the better. So what do you suggest? So again, this would be an example of something that I've applied to my life and in turn have shared it with advisors and for all of us, all of the above. It just had such a positive impact and it's it's this idea of of going into airplane mode you know when when we walk through our front door it's not always easy to just disconnect from the workplace and and leave all that mental and emotional baggage of our day back at the office and and to compound the challenges the distractions of email and text messages and, and the internet they also follow us home from the office. We can't just lock that up in a drawer at, at our work desk as well. So that's why airplane mode has become such a big part of my life. You know, I was basically seeking out an, an easier way to be fully present with my family after a long day of work. And, and when it really dawned on me was uh, a time a while back where my five-year-old came up to me in such an innocent manner and I was basically vegging out on the couch after a long day of work. And he just said to me, Daddy, why are you always on your phone? You know, and, and at that time, it was just so easy for me to get lost, uh, you know, looking at anything on my phone, getting sucked into a vortex of clickbait articles because just mentally I was shot and my brain was taking the path of least resistance. But we you know my son said that to me for us that have kids. My, my, my son's only going to be five once. And here he is vying for my attention. It's not going to be long before he's going to be 15 and I'm going to be begging for his attention. So I kind of knew right then and there I needed to make some, some drastic changes. And I started to think about what are the times in my life where it's been so easy for me to concentrate and be fully present. And I came to the conclusion it's, it's when I'm on an airplane. You know, when I'm on an airplane, there's no distractions. My, my, my smartphone, my laptop, my iPad, they're all in airplane mode, and they are basically eliminating chaos for me. So what I decide is when I'm at home, you know, basically from the time my family and I sit down to dinner till the kids go to bed, my phone is in airplane mode. So I'm not even tempted or distracted by the never-ending emails and phone calls and text messages that follow me home from work. And it makes me so much, it makes it so much easier for me to be fully present with my wife and kids. But at the same token, John, airplane mode is not just for the house. 
it is a very effective technique for the workplace. I mean, if you're doing some deep work, you know, that $1,000 an hour work we were talking about, you're, you're working on a presentation or a proposal for a big client, and if you need to be practicing on what you'll be saying and or showing, man, turn the ringer off on your, on your phone. Put your cell phone in airplane mode. Disable the email alert on your computer. I mean, give yourself some time to concentrate and focus on the biggest projects that can have the most impact on your business. You know, you don't want to be bombarded by distractions when you're focusing on those high impact and often lucrative activities. You know, these same activities, sorry, I was going to say, but these same activities that require your, your full focus and attention, much like your family deserves. And so, Airplane mode has been the answer for me in both business and work at, at home. So that's what I was going to ask you, Dave, was, um, you know, you, you just kind of uh, referred to it there, which is, you know, we talked a lot on these past two podcasts about scheduling our day and really thinking about the most important things to our business. But for many of us, the most important things aren't things, right? They're the people and, and the causes and the things that are. So how important is it to use these same techniques to schedule things that, aren't work-related. Is that something you do, or do you let home take care of itself after your work schedule is done? Yeah, no, I I tend to schedule my business and personal life in similar fashions, and and maybe some would hear that and say, wow, that's that's just way too regimented. That sounds like, you know, military boot camp. But what I found is, you know, on weekends, if things aren't scheduled by me, suddenly things get scheduled for me. And they're not always things I want. You know, I get, I get, spend a little too much time watching television, getting caught up, binge watching or what have you, which in the moment may feel good. But, you know, TV, internet, all of that, it's, it's kind of like junk food. You know, in the moment it feels good, but afterwards you don't always walk away with the most satisfying feeling. And if you're not careful, junk food, just like TV and whatnot, it's so easy to consume too much. So, I've just really become more aware and more intentional and purposeful in scheduling all the days of my life. And, you know, what I was saying earlier, when something's scheduled on your calendar, it just gets done. That's that's how we're hardwired. You know, if it's a client meeting or an oral change for my car, I show up for those appointments. So what I found is the more things you schedule personally professionally, physically, the more you time block on your calendar, the more things you'll get done and the more you'll be leading a, a purposeful business and, and life by design rather than default. And, and to me, John, that, that's truly how you win the game. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as I think about what you just said, is that what often happens with me is if I don't schedule those things, uh, you know, I think I, you know, I think something's been on my list for two weeks. It's actually been there for two months, doing something special for my my wife or my family or for people that are important to me. And I think, to your point, by scheduling it, putting it on the calendar, um, it, it it, it makes it a priority, and you have to intentionally put out the effort to do that thing, which you've already identified as important. So, no, I appreciate that. I guess, Dave, in wrapping up, uh, this podcast, which actually is the continuation of the previous podcast. So I'd recommend if anyone hasn't listened to that one to make sure and, and do so. Um, I guess the summation question, Dave, is what are some of the real life results that you've seen and what sort of gains have these techniques produced for you and the advisors that you've worked with? 
Yeah, that there there are clear cut, definitive, quantitative results for those that have applied these principles and strategies. And, and when I say quantitative, I'm talking about physically, financially, professionally. You can just see numbers moving in the right direction. You know, I, I know it's enhanced my business and life, but I'd say even bigger than that, the greatest impact has been more of that qualitative impact that I've experienced and that advisors have reported to me where these these strategies, these tactics, when applied consistently over time, they've led to just such a better professional and and mental and emotional well-being. And, and that's just about as human-centric as you can get in this business. And when I hear that from financial advisors, it's it's also some of the most fulfilling and rewarding feedback that I can get seeing advisors apply the same strategies I've had and get the same great results. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I want to, again, thank you for taking the time and kind of sharing your expertise with us um, and appreciate taking the time, not just for this podcast, but the one prior. So thanks again for coming on with us. Hey, John, pleasure was all mine. And again, it's just a personal passion of mine to deliver strategies that I've applied to my life to in turn help financial advisors enhance their business and their lives as well. And I definitely think that passion comes through, Dave. And I want to remind everyone listening to the podcast that uh, Dave has helped us put together resources that you can take a look at and read and refresh on some of these topics we've discussed that you can find at hartfordfunds.com slash win. Again, that's hartfordfunds.com slash win. And the title of kind of this content, How to Win the Game Before It's Even Played. So from all of us at Hartford Funds to all of you listening, thanks again for joining us on the Human Centric Investing Podcast. And we look forward to sharing with you insights and information on our next episode. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules.